2: Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home. But just time means you're going to acquire smells. Whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one, get two. Be like me and get three, go to Edenpuredeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code Jesse. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. Edenpuredeals.com, promo code Jesse.
1: This is the Jesse Kelly Show.
2: What is the greatest special operations mission of all time? Well, I mean, the truth is, let's be honest, I don't know and you don't know. The greatest ones we don't find out about. You don't find out about them. And we love them, don't we? I mean, who doesn't like movies about that stuff? Who Who doesn't like reading about it? podcast about it. I mean, everybody knows what SEAL Team 6 is. It was a SEAL Team created to be the special anti-terrorist SEAL Team. I mean, they're all anti-terrorists, but there's already a special selection to get in, and these dudes are, you know, the super studs. But you, you, you would think of, like, the raid on Osama bin Laden Do you know that in many of the special forces circles, that is not well thought of, that raid. Hilo they brought in, top secret Hilo, special for SEAL Team 6. They were supposed to blow it up and destroy it so other countries couldn't acquire the technology, and they screwed that up. I'm not blaming anybody. Obviously, it's high pressure. It's it's. it's but I mean, it, it's the the ones we know about. You know, the great ones. Sometimes they're laughed off. On the inside circles. Sometimes. The ones they all admire. They're ones you and I will never hear about ever. The most famous one that I love that is well thought of that I can think of is Operation Thunderbolt, and I'm shocked how many people have never heard of it, so we're going to walk down that lane today. Now, we need to do a brief setup here. We're going to Israel, Palestine, Germany, all those tensions, and tensions are high. We are in the 1970s. Remember when the Munich Olympic happened? 72, everybody remembers that. That was obviously a big deal. Palestinians storm in, grab these Israeli athletes. And Germany, it it, honestly, it depends who you talk to, whether they were weapons-grade incompetent or intentionally wanted the Israelis to die. Either way, th- there is no defense of what Germany did there. Germany basically did nothing. The Israeli o- a- athletes were held hostage. And we'll go over this sometime. We'll go over it in detail. It's actually not what today's is about. The, the Israeli hostage uh, athletes are held hostage. Germany not only doesn't do anything... They don't let Israel do anything, and Israel's like, "Uh, "We did. uh, Do you want us to step in here? These are our guys." Germany, "Uh, no, no, you can't do that. And let's let's things get lost over time. That's just the nature of things. Let's remember that's 1972. That is less than. 30 years after the Holocaust, hard for, hard, hard for you and I to comprehend that, right? Cause 72, 50 years ago now we're, we're so separated, but the tensions were still extremely that think about this. If you're 20 years old and live through the Holocaust, you're less than 50 watching the Munich Olympics happen. Do you think you're going to be a little salty? How many Jews still at that time had lost their entire families because of Germany? And you think you're going to be a little salty? And remember, Germany, the reason it really could have just been incompetence was Germany sucked at this point in time. They're going through the East Germany, West Germany thing. The the heydays of Germany being this booming juggernaut in Europe are not still going on in the 70s not at all they're hurting and you and I will never be able well let's Lord willing let's hope so but you and I will never be able to understand national shame on that level either think what that's like for a German I if, obviously we are, tainted because it's we're so close to it still but is the holocaust the worst event in human history if probably not but it's way up there right and it'll be the highest in our lifetime by a mile i mean relatively speaking close to us you can look at horrible past genocides mongols and others that probably surpass it but still it's your country was responsible for the worst thing anybody can think of Think about that. Think if you go ask a hundred people on the street today, what's the worst thing ever to happen in history? Over 90 would say the Holocaust. And you're Germany. Uncomfortable, right? It's uncomfortable. So already Germany was feeling ashamed. Embarrassed. And now you have this international incident taking place at your olympics remember your olympics are a big deal for countries this is supposed to be a big coming out party for germany hey we're back uh, not back in a bad way i mean we're just we're we're back in all the good german ways and it ends up being a disaster. Yeah, Chris brought up they cost a fortune. Remember, Olympics, when countries hold Olympic events, when they, when they host the Olympics, countries lose a fortune. You never make money on the Olympics, ever. You only do it for national pride, national status, and now you have this disaster at Munich. All these athletes die. You've got people burning to death in the helicopters. And not only is Germany extremely ashamed. Let's set them aside for now, because we're not dealing with Germany really today. Israel is next level salty about it, understandably so. And remember this: we're still dealing with the establishment of the new Israel. They're still you and I have a have a uh, an image of Israel. Whatever your image is. But at this point in time, think how young they are. Don't start yelling me about all the historical stuff. Think about a nation being 30 years old that is so young. And they're figuring out exactly what they want to be, how they want to be. They know it's pretty universal. They know this is supposed to be the Jewish homeland, a place where Jews can come and be safe. What they don't know and what there is endless squabbling about inside Israel to this day is how they need to handle their foreign affairs, how they need to handle their enemies. Now, I will tell you, as you know, I'll speak pointedly about anybody and everyone, one of my favorite things about Israel is how they handle their foreign policy. That whole vulgar saying, I'm not going to say on the radio, that F around and find out, that's how I think of Israel. That's how they've conducted their business, but that is always There are people within Israel at all times pushing for restraint. Let's hold back here. Let's hold back there. And not necessarily, I don't want to make them sound weak either. Sometimes you have to. Otherwise, you just become hated by everyone. And they're still wrestling at this point, early 70s, with, uh, how much do we want to do this? Remember, Israel, call it what you want to, Israel, especially early on, Committing acts of terrorism, right? Hang on a second.
1: The Jesse Kelly Show. On air and online at jessikellyshow.com.
2: Goldalliance.com slash Jesse. While I'm talking, go check it out. Just go look at it right now and you'll see what I'm talking about. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau for a reason. And gold IRAs aren't what you think. As soon as you start telling people, buy gold, buy gold, you think somebody's going to ship you a, a, a crate of gold bars. You got to go bury them out back. It's, it's not that way. Gold IRAs are professional things that help you diversify your portfolio to make sure you don't get absolutely slaughtered if the market takes a huge dip, which everybody thinks it's going to. That's all. It's not more complicated than that. So go get one. Goldalliance.com slash Jesse That's goldalliance.com slash jesse. And if you sign up, maybe get up to $5,000 in free gold and silver coins. Let's remember... The Israelis had to kill to get Israel back. We're talking bombs in hotels. And then once they established it, they had to figure out how they were going to handle their enemies. And they're mailing out letter bombs. And again... I'm not a, look I'm a huge Israel homer so I I'm I'm going to attempt to be as down the line here as I can be but you know I'll tell you when I'm a homer for some people and when I just flat out dislike others like Italians quick Chris but violence was necessary and they were arguing again internally because they did have innocent people opening up some of these letters getting blown up and it's not as if they just shrugged their shoulders about it. That created controversy back home. Uh, we can't do this. We're supposed to be better. We're supposed to be have a different moral fabric. But Munich happens, and now, now they're ramping up things a little bit when it comes to how they're going to handle people. Because the Palestinian terrorism and militancy did not necessarily start right off the bat. That was something that got ramped up and ramped up and ramped up. And now, 70s, now it's on. Now they're killing Israeli school kids. Now there are hostage situations everywhere. Munich was just the famous one. These were all over the place now. And Israel has had just about enough of that crap. And they are becoming... More trained and more forceful with how they're dealing with these things. They have this incredible out-counterterrorism unit called the Sayeret Matkal. You need to think of them like Israel, like Israel's SEAL Team 6. That may not be totally accurate because there's probably different capabilities there, but these are bad dudes. All right, so you have this. Now, allow us to go to Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv, there's an Air France flight, 1976. We are fresh after Munich. We have a new focus here. Passenger plane takes off. Over 200 people on board. Passenger plane to Paris. Obviously, because it's leaving Tel Aviv, there's tons of Israelis on board, over 100 of them. They make a little stop take on about 50 more passengers, and now they're heading to Paris. Only they took on four too many. They took on four terrorists as well. Contrary to popular belief about this story, they were not all four Palestinians. Two of them were Palestinians. Two of them were Germans. And it's odd. I don't know why this is. I should dig into this more. But there were these terrorists really in the 70s, these guys seem to thrive a little bit in the 80s too, but in in the 70s, not, not necessarily like you and I would think of terrorists, Osama bin Laden, Baghdadi, guys like that. White European descent terrorists who, it honestly almost just appears they did it for a career, these guys, it was it's very odd. Terrorists for hire, really, is what they seem to be. I'm not questioning their beliefs. They had radical beliefs, too, but they're not the normal jihadis you like to think of when you think of that kind of terrorism. But this is a different day and age when it comes to planes and how planes handle security, too, which it's wild to me that this didn't prompt all the changes that 9-11 ended up prompting. But these are the days where... There's a disturbance in the back. So the pilot orders his chief engineer sitting right beside him. Hey, go check it out. Well, you don't have to be a genius to figure out how that works. Chief engineer opens up the cockpit. Wow, there's a guy right there with a pistol and a hand grenade. Guess who's coming in? And it's common... You and I make this mistake, and you need to be careful about this. How many history stories have we read or have I read you about thinking less of your enemy just because you hate them? We do it all the time, don't we? And everybody does it. What was that last time we just talked about, World War II? How the Japanese thought Americans were soft. Ah, too weak. We'll just attack them at night. Oh wow, we all died. Turns out you don't attack Marines at night. That was a that was a really bad idea, not quite so soft. And we did the same thing. Ha <laughs> these stupid little yellow man Japanese. these guys are they're basically animals. Oh wow, these guys are bad dudes, really bad dudes. But it's common. this is this is what people do in, in the history of mankind. We do it too, and I am just as if not more guilty than you we do it when it comes to terrorists ah oh, these bunch of idiots ha <laughs> look at these dirt balls probably has an iq of 12 i bet that i bet that guy can hardly put a bomb together without blowing himself up yeah some of them blow themselves up and some of them are really 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 skilled bomb makers ah oh, there's these idiots they have training camps. No, they don't have our budget, so they're not putting the rounds down range we are, but they have training camps, exercise, weapons training. That 9-11 terrorist attack, let's be frank about it here. That was well done. They got us, and they got us good. And just thinking about it makes me want to strangle somebody. So I want to hate them, right? And I do hate them. But that level of planning, they've got their guys over here in pilot schools for that long. What? It's they got us. Well, this is no different. In this case, this guy was worried. That they would, you know, hold a gun to the pilot's head. Hey, make sure you fly me here instead. And the pilot's like, yeah, I'll get right on that. And then flies him wherever he wants. This guy trained for a year to do this. He knew exactly what he was doing as a pilot just so they couldn't fool him. Again, trained. They think too. They take control of this plane. And they fly it down to Benghazi first. Yes, that very same Benghazi, that one. Now they're just stopping off in Benghazi for fuel. And as luck would have it, a very crafty young nurse on the flight gets up and freaks out and says, I'm having a miscarriage. You have to let me off the plane. And in a rare show of humanity, although she probably wasn't one of the Israelis, in a rare show of humanity, They let her off the plane. I bet they wouldn't have if she was an Israeli. But they're like, oh, yeah, well, we can't let her lose the baby. Turns out she wasn't even pregnant and definitely not having a miscarriage. But then she goes and gives so much of the intelligence to the people who need it. So they stop in Benghazi. They fuel up. And then they take off down to Entebbe in Uganda. And Uganda in the 70s was a place run by a man. We've done a show on him before. E.D. Amin, E.D. Amin, you can still see videos of him to this day. If you want to him being interviewed, he was huge. I think he was six, four, six, five, like 270 pounds. He's a big dude and violent. I remember that show we did on E.D. Amin. He, he came up as a soldier through the ranks and that was his specialty was violence. And he eventually took over Uganda and, well, he was a monster. He was an absolute monster. Crafty, really crafty, but a monster. He had a, well, I'm not going to go off on E.D.M. Amin today, but I will just tell you, he had a prison set up there.
1: (sighs) I'll
2: tell you what, I'll elaborate real quickly in just a second.
1: Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now, so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at acioretirementorg slash A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
2: Idi Amin had a prison that was so terrible in Uganda, you can take a tour of it to this day. I'm almost positive you can YouTube a video of it if you're curious what I'm talking about. It was, I want you to picture a small concrete river, okay? A concrete place where you could put water. It's empty today, obviously, but he had it filled up with water and you would take a boat back into this bunker with rooms, concrete rooms off to the left side. So you're taking a boat. There are these rooms off to the left out of the water. He sealed off the ventilation in the rooms and would stuff people in there. So people would just flat out die of suffocation. He would stuff them in there in mass. And the water right outside, he electrified it heavily. And the prison was so miserable, so inhumane. Try to picture this. They had to work hard to keep people because people routinely would throw themselves into the water so they would get electrocuted and and die rather than go back into that prison. This dude killed so many freaking people. Idi Amin, he had... I'm not going to go into the details today. He had torture chambers that were, ugh, you just, you can't imagine. Very, very bad human being. Very violent, bad human being. And he's a dictator at this time in Uganda. And not only is he a dictator, he's a dictator who's been constantly juggling his relationships with the more supreme powers of the world, countries like Britain. We're getting along. We're not getting along. Oh, you want me on your side? You don't want me on your side kind of thing. He was originally trained by Britain because Uganda was a British colony. So he had military training from Britain and then Britain was doing that thing where, Hey, we're not a colonial power anymore. Look how nice we are to this guy. Oh, he's kind of a scumbag, but we're still going to be nice. Right? Look how they were kind of doing the modern day woke thing. Couldn't really cut him loose. Didn't want to look bad. But Idi Amin was a really bad guy. And by now, by this point, by the time of this hostage takeover of this plane, Idi Amin was really kind of pretty much on the outs. Everybody got that this was a bad human being. And so he was looking for new friends, new ways to do things. Oh, these Palestinian terrorists look all right. This was obviously all set up beforehand. This plane lands in Uganda, in Entebbe. In this run-down dump of a Ugandan airport. It's everything you would picture in a Ugandan run-down dump airport. Mosquitoes were supposed to be horrible. Just everything in a state of disrepair. They pull all these hostages out of the plane and actually tell them as they're getting out, Hey, you're free. You're in Uganda, which is really weird. They did it this way. Then they pulled them all out of the plane, they're Like, Oh, we lied. No, you're not free. Get in the airplane hangar Now they get them in and immediately they start separating people and they're lying to them about why they're separating people. You're going here, you're going there, but it does not take them long to figure out they're separating the Jews from everybody else. And as you can probably imagine, the Jews are pretty in tune to things like that. Remember the Warsaw ghetto uprising we talked about last week. They're going to get, they're going to pick up on that pretty quickly. Wow. Everyone around me shares the same religion here. They do pick up on it and they figure out they're in very deep trouble. And by now, some of these people I believe are still alive, but you can see interviews with them by now they're entirely convinced they're all going to die, which would not have been abnormal. The terrorists send out their demands. They want $5 million from Israel. They want Israel to release 53 people Israel's currently holding. Most of those were Palestinians. Some were just pro-Palestinian, but not Palestinian, you know what I mean? Whatever, 53 people. Well, this obviously has national implications, international implications. The, the world erupts. News crews fly into Entebbe and set up outside of the airport. They're filming this thing. This is a big deal. And, and remember, terrorists back then, especially, well, and now, they want their acts to be public. They want you to look on in horror They want other young, angry men thinking about joining the cause to look and see, wow, that's pretty cool. I think I'll get in on that. It helps with terrorist recruitment. They do not shun away the TV cameras. Oh, please, come on. I'll give you a tour. Israel's freaking out. That's a lot of Israelis. you got over 100 Israelis there. They all have families. They're all screaming at the Israeli government, give them their money and release the people now. These are civilians. These are wives, sisters, brothers, sons. Old and young. Israel, though, as I said, things have changed for them. Israel can't afford to do that. You cannot afford... One time, if you're Israel, to negotiate with these people, you're trying to get this stuff to stop. You go handing them $5 million and releasing prisoners, this stuff's never, ever, ever going to stop. So Israel comes up with a plan, but it is, man, so difficult. They start scouting out this area. They're flying small planes overhead trying to get a layout of the hangar. And the terrorists actually start releasing a bunch of the non-Jews, a bunch of the non-Israelis. As you can imagine, Israeli intelligence is waiting about five seconds after these new hostages get off the plane. Ah, hey, well, I'm glad you're free. I need to talk to you for like three hours. I need the layout of this. I need to know how many people are here, how many people are there. And they have to figure out how they're going to get these hostages out. But remember, Uganda is not only 2,000 miles away from Israel. Uganda is a sovereign country with its own army. And Idi Amin is present and welcoming these terrorists there. You can't start a war. Not if you're Israel. Not when things are as up in the air for you around the world as they are at that time. You start a war with Uganda, if you're Israel, you're likely not going to have a ton of people lining up behind you. They know they need to get him out, though. And they come up with a really cool plan. Idi Amin is straight out of a African warlord dictator movie stereotype. Straight out of it. I mean, he's central casting for it right down to the fact, of course, he drives or rides in a souped-up Mercedes with a big caravan. I mean, you can almost hear the Hollywood music playing behind him as the guy's driving around. And that's how he drives up to this Entebbe Airport, which he visits often. He goes rolling up there, and the Ugandan army is obviously guarding this airport. And as you can imagine... They don't exactly grill Edamine as he's walk as he's driving in. When the big boss is driving in, probably best to not even make him slow down, or you're gonna have your hands chopped off with a machete. Let's let's just let the man on by. Israel comes up with a plan. They say, why don't we get an exact replica of that car? And the other vehicles in the caravan and pretend to be E D M. Hang on.
1: to The Jesse Kelly Show. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
2: Oh, yeah. Now we have a plan. We need a Mercedes that exactly matches. You need a caravan that exactly matches. But remember, that stuff works in the movies where you're like, I have an idea. And some guy's like, that's a good idea. And the next cut scene is that Mercedes driving up. You're 2,000 miles away. You have to get it there. You have to get your people there. So they come up with a plan to plane this Mercedes in and the caravan in on these gigantic cargo planes. Well, remember, this is Uganda. Uh, You don't just get to fly in wherever you want, whoever you want. They do this ruse and pretend one of them is a passenger plane. The other one, they're sneaking it in. But they do get it in, and they have... The Israeli special forces guys in the back, they're doing this at night to create more confusion. They land 29 special forces guys and about 200 other Israeli army guys. And they start rolling towards the checkpoint straight out of the movies. Everything's working, right? Just like straight out of the movies. They see a couple Ugandan guards standing in the middle of the road right there in the headlines. Of course, they're going to step by and, and let us on by because, of course, everything works. Not in real life, it doesn't. These soldiers, I don't know whether they knew Idi Amin's schedule and knew he wasn't him. I don't know how they knew, but they knew. They start to present their weapons. There's a couple of Israeli commandos with suppressed weapons. Pop, 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 pop. Ugandan soldiers are down. More soldiers hear this. Start shooting and running. The Israeli spec ops guys start murking out the Ugandan soldiers. Only now, here's the big problem. You're 200 meters away from the hangar. The plan was to get right up next to the hangar. As one guy I heard interviewed talk about this, he said, the problem is not killing people. He said, it's easy to kill people. It's hard to rescue people. You have to get to that hangar And kill all those terrorists before the terrorists turn around and kill all the hostages. So they have to essentially throw caution to the wind. They blaze up to the hangar. It's pretty much pitch black. The Ugandan army is starting to mobilize. And you have to storm into the hangar and get them. One guy goes charging down a corridor and there's a huge glass wall. Beside him in the hangar, he said all at once the glass exploded, and he said he was so zoned in, he looks and he sees the terrorist pointing an AK-47 at him, shooting it at him, but he can't hear it. He's so zoned in, he can't hear it, and the guy's just unloading, but because the dude wasn't trained enough, he couldn't hit anything. Just a heads up for any of you who may have fully automatic weapons or shoot one in the future. It does not work like it does in the movies. You shoot these weapons in short bursts for the most part. You do not just hold down the trigger and open it up till it's all gone. You can't hit anything. Weapons will walk up and recoil on you and you can't hit anything. Ask that terrorist. Oh, wait, you can't because he's dead now. The Israeli spec ops guy, highly trained, turns pop-pop terrorists is down. But you have more terrorists in, and they're swarming in. Boom, one of the Israeli special forces guys go down. I believe that was Benjamin Netanyahu's brother, if I'm not mistaken, goes down, wounded. Maybe cousin. Cousin, Chris? Cousin. Goes down. They go storming in. They think they've taken care of all the hostages. They think they've taken care of all the terrorists. One of the hostages pops up and starts walking and says, oh, it's so great you're here. And then they see him pull the pin on a grenade. He was a terrorist posing as a hostage. Boom, they kill him, take off running. All the hostages make it. It's fine, right? And now the Israeli special forces guys are understandably on edge. They tell all the hostages, get on the ground and get your face on the ground because they don't know who's who. One guy, and I just, I I hate this story. I, I read three or four things on this. Listened to a podcast on it too. And just every every time I hear this, I want to scream at this guy. I mean, who knows though? Who knows if he was just a different personality? Maybe he was crazy. Maybe he was just friendly. Maybe, who knows? One of the hostages springs up because he realizes they've just been rescued by Israeli soldiers, springs up and goes running towards them to greet them and hug them. And they kill him, as you would in the dark. Like I said, it doesn't always work like it does in the movies. It's not always clean. You want to know why so many of these guys have nightmares later on in life? It ain't the terrorists they're dreaming about. It's things like that. Think what that's like for that Israeli spec ops guy who had to put that guy down. Think what he goes through all the time. Hang on.
0: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners.
2: The Ugandan Army finally figures out really what's happening. There's shooting going off everywhere. They have to scramble now in the dark and get the passengers onto these passenger planes in the middle of the night in a Ugandan airport. And I remember one of the things that always struck me was one of the uh, 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 Sayeret Matkal guys talked about how that was the loneliest he's ever felt in his life. He said, you just felt like you were all alone in the world. And remember, remember what's at stake? Remember that prison I told you about? Edia Amin's prison? If you're one of the Spec Ops guys and you don't die, well, let's just put it this way. You better hope you die. Because if you don't die there, you're going to die ugly later on. Think what that's like 2,000 miles from home. But they get them on the plane. And the plane takes off. And they save them. They save almost all of them. That is Operation Thunderbolt. Hang on. That's nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off.
1: Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26th, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26th. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details.
2: Thank you.